0: Curtis Hill, former attorney general and current Republican candidate for governor, has made a pretty big promise to us Hoosiers. He is vowing to sign an executive order on day one to prevent Indiana government agencies like the Indiana BMV from selling your personal data. To find out uh, what prompted him to make this vow, he's joining us live right now. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, Kayla. How are you?
0: I am doing well. I'm so glad you're here. I actually have a bucket list of things I'd like to chit-chat uh, with you about. But let's start here with Hoosiers' personal data. Plain and simple, what prompted you to, to issue this statement or, or to issue this vow about protecting Hoosier data?
1: Well, Kayla, it was really the shock of finding out that our state government was uh, collecting the personal information information of hoosiers now we know that there's various reasons to collect personal information but to turn around and sell it for a profit uh is unconscionable uh, l- last year estimates are that the uh, b b uh, profited to the tune of 26 million dollars selling personal information so you go to the b b and you provide them with required information on you that's personal and they turn around and sell it to third parties uh, that's just not right and so uh, finding that out and finding it out finding out that the General Assembly is doing nothing about it at this point in time. Uh, the BMV works for the governor. And uh, so we are prepared to sign an executive order on day one that says state agencies will not sell for profit uh, Hoosier personal information.
0: They are selling things like our names, our addresses, uh, plate numbers, all that kind of good stuff. Do we know, Curtis, what the Indiana BMV is actually spending this money on? I mean, you just said it last year. They made almost $26 million. What's that being spent on?
1: Well, it's, it's being reported, uh, and just recently they've been required to turn this information over. It's been reported that it's, it's taking care of salaries and uh, other programming within the b and uh, the, the Department of Technology uh, for the state uh, receives a large portion of the money. It really doesn't matter what they're spending the money on. The bottom line is they're getting the money, uh, in my estimation, illegally from Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was Attorney General, we used to sue uh, businesses that had data breaches that that exposed the, the, your personal information by negligence. Uh, I sued Equifax alone, one of the largest credit companies in the country that, that uh, exposed 3.9 Hoosiers' uh, uh, personal information. We settled for $20 million, and then I find out that the state of Indiana is doing the same thing, and it's been going on for 10, 12 years, apparently, uh, according to reports, Two hundred and thirty-seven million dollars has come into the Indiana Bureau of Motor Vehicles as a result of their sales of personal information.
0: That's so true, though. It is so similar to a data breach, which obviously, you know, is not legal. But is it technically legal then, Curtis, for the Indiana BMV to be collecting our personal data and selling it for profit? I mean, is that in fact legal?
1: Well, it's legal if somebody makes it legal. It's legal if the if the General Assembly has allowed it. Uh, What typically happens with these uh, state agencies is they engage in in activities through the rulemaking process. So they often bypass the legal authority to do things. They do it by rule, and uh, sometimes those rules get adopted as procedures by law. Uh, sometimes they just they just fly under the uh, the uh, under the radar. My understanding is that a state senator had looked into trying to get the uh, the general assembly to step in and uh, uh, make a legislative change, and they can't even get a hearing. So it's necessary hmm. for the governor's office to step in because there is executive authority over the B and V and we can take care of that. No Hoosier should be forced to. Um, relinquish their personal information without their consent.
0: Well, I, for one, am glad that you would like to do something about this in the event you become our next governor. Speaking of, I do want to ask you about the governor's race while I have you. Uh, it's kind of a crowded field to me right now. I think we've got, what, seven candidates? But what really makes you the guy for the job?
1: Well, I have executive authority of actually doing things. You know, we've got some folks who have been in office and uh, they talk about bold and courageous leadership, but you really can't identify anything that they've done that uh, has a signature to it. Uh, We have some very troubling times ahead of us. Uh, We're seeing the weaponization of race, the Mm -hmm. manipulation of justice, the sexualization of children. Uh, We need a leader uh, in the field who has the experience knocking down big issues. And as as a former prosecutor and as a former attorney general, uh, I've got the record that that, uh, shows just that.
0: You know, when it comes to the Republican Party in general, Curtis, it always seems like views on, on Donald Trump have really kind of drawn a line uh, down the middle of the GOP. You either love him or, or you hate him. What side of that line are you on?
1: Well, I was a Trump supporter. I voted for Trump on both occasions. Um, I believe that his policies have been very, very effective, uh, especially when you, you compare them to the policies that Joe Biden has today, uh, whether it's, you're talking about border control, whether you're talking about economic, uh, We were much better under Trump than we under, are under Biden. Uh, it's not to say that I agree with everything that Trump did, in particular uh, many of the things that he said uh, I took issue with. But uh, on balance, he did a fantastic job in his term as presidency, uh, in his presidency from a policy standpoint. It looks like he's uh, still got the strength that uh, they're actually, uh, his strength is growing. The more they persecute him, the the, the bigger mm-hmm. he gets. Uh, so I'm um, uh, I'm looking forward to a uh, a major victory in November. For the Republican Party.
0: Hey, speaking of Donald, and with your legal background, if you don't mind, I'd also like to get your thoughts, uh, since we have you here, on SCOTUS taking up this ballot battle that Trump seems to find himself currently in. Uh, as we know, SCOTUS will be kind of making a ruling here on, on whether or not states can remove him from their presidential primary ballots. How big of a deal will the outcome of this ruling be? It'll
1: be huge. I mean, the, the notion that, uh, that courts or states can remove a candidate from the, from the ballot and disenfranchise the voters is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, the fallout, if they're able to succeed, if, if they're able to succeed, the integrity of elections will be permanently scarred and you will find a, a, an entire, uh, at least half of this nation that won't trust uh, elections and will not take uh, seriously uh, our Republican process. Uh, so it's a, it's a big, big deal. Uh, we have to look very, very closely at it uh, in terms of the level of control the course of governments take in interfering with our election process. And, and to, to add to that point, uh, this concept of insurrection as being the, the model for this, um, uh, what happened on January 6th, uh, regardless of what per- people think about it and how you feel about it, uh, it was not an armed rebellion. Uh, so that's a very subjective terminology when you talk about insurrection and and whether that's a particular grounds for removal from someone from the ballot.
0: Really quick, just for fun, I've only got you for 30 seconds here, but what do you think the ruling will be? What what will be the outcome?
1: Well, that's hard to say. What the ruling should be is that, that the states cannot remove uh, President Trump from the ballot. That's what it ought to be from a legal standpoint. Uh, the difficulty with the justice system, the way it's, it has become polarized, it, uh, it it depends on who's making the call. Uh, we used to have a lot more integrity in our justice system. I'm not as convinced that that, uh, the integrity is there as it once was.
0: Well, then let me ask you this. I know I I, I lied. I have another question then (laughs) with what you just said. Do you think that it will help, though, that that Trump, you know, appointed three of these Supreme Court justices currently sitting on the bench? I mean, I know that technically it shouldn't be a factor, but is it?
1: Well, it it should be a factor in the sense that they, in my view, they have more uh, rational mindsets. Uh, uh, more of an adherence mm-hmm. to the, the Constitution, uh, I would think that they would they would follow the law a, in that regard and that it would be beneficial to Trump. Not because they're politically motivated, but because of the way that they come to the bench and the way that they make their decisions. So I would think that he would have an advantage in that regard.
0: Man, great insight. Curtis, I could chat with you forever. I mean, I am way out of time, my man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can have you back on here in the future.
1: Anytime, Kayla. Thank you very much.
0: That would be great. That is former Attorney General and current Republican candidate for Governor Curtis Hill joining us here on Whoa, Whoa.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.